VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hello and welcome to the Game Football Podcast from The Times. Today it might be deadline day, but much like this January window, we won't be talking about any transfers. Thankfully, there's loads of exciting live action to discuss, including Luton. At what point do we stop being surprised? Crystal Palace, or should I say Eze and Elise FC, and Ange Postacoglu continues to get star performances out of his squad players. We'll also talk Liverpool and Chelsea, and joining me, Tom Clark, for all of that, we have the chief correspondent for The Times and Sunday Times, Martin Samuel, football correspondent for The Sunday Times, Jonathan Northcroft, and a former footballer who once wrote about spending one January kicking a ball against a wall and being chased by dogs in the park as he waited for an eventual move to Northampton. Gregor Robertson, make sure that phone is on silent. You're not going anywhere this time. Thank you for that, Tom. So we listen. Yeah. I didn't even. You really I are. Didn't, you're delving deep into. I the, am going deep the into the archives. But we've made it. We're into February. We're nearly there. We've yeah. just got to get to June. God knows what I'm going to do next season. Anyway, uh, eight Premier League midweek games so far, chaps, and there's no doubt what the standout result was: Luton four, Brighton nil. Rob Edwards side out of the bottom three. We'll come back to the match in more detail in a second. But Martin, I'd wanted to kind of come to that idea of them out of the bottom three because if they stay up. How big an achievement is that for Luton <laughs> and Robert? Stay up, he's the manager of the season. I don't care who wins the league. Really? Um, yeah. If what, keeping Luton up? Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's, there's no greater <laughs> achievement than that. He's going to take it away from the departing Jurgen Klopp wins, wins the Premier League? Yeah, on this occasion. Yeah, on this occasion. Yeah. Absolutely. It's all relative. Look, you can make a case that Pep Guardiola isn't the manager of the year some seasons because there were there was somebody that did something in another part of the of the league that was contextually even greater keeping Luton up Jurgen Klopp would probably acknowledge keeping Luton up is is a feat you know, Jurgen Klopp's been the manager of Mainz in uh, in Germany. He knows exactly what it means to take a small club and to take them to a level that they didn't expect to to, to achieve and then exceed expectations to keep them there. No one thought Luton would stay up. No one thought Luton would stay up two months ago. The, the, the you know, and I know it, it it needs Everton to be deducted ten points at the moment, etc., etc. But um. And I know that it could all end up getting decided in a court of appeal, whether they stay up or, or, or not. But nonetheless, Luton were, if not expected to be bottom, expected to be bottom three. It was, it was thought, it was unthinkable that they could um, maintain uh, a performance to stay in the Premier League. And Robert was just, uh, 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 has got them in a position where, at the moment, they could do that and could do that. Not playing bad football at all. 
yeah. and can do that whilst uh, completely uh, revitalising Ross Barkley's career, reminding us all what a player he was, whilst doing that with whilst having a uh, a significant player at the club, captain of the club, um, suffer a, a, a terrible episode of uh, of ill health, which could could have really. Um, pulled the club down and uh, and and made made it quite despairing. It doesn't have to. People think, oh, it's such an inspiring thing. It doesn't have to be such an inspiring thing. It can, it can also be a negative. At the very least, you lose a player. Um, I think he's done a fabulous job. Johnny Martin's right in pointing out the Everton factor, but when you then look at the table above them, um, they're only one point behind Nottingham Forest, who haven't mm. yet had any points deducted uh, from them. They're only three points behind Brentford, of course. So. Even without the points deduction conversation, mm. as a, as a season performance in it, in its own right, nineteen points from twenty one games for little old Luton is mighty impressive, isn't it? It's astonishing. Um, I mean, I mean, I hadn't really thought of him for manager of the year, but Martin's made quite a persuasive argument there. Um, and the thing that strikes me is, if they can stay up, um, we know that 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 gives you a really good chance of then building a few seasons in the Premier League. And Rob Edwards' management would. You know, it's not just a football club; it's a whole community that he's he's on the cusp or, or has a chance of transforming there. If you keep looking in the Premier League, from where they've been, give that town Premier League football for I don't know three, four, five, ten years. I mean, that that's changed. That literally changes people's lives, their communities' lives, and it's it's amazing. You always look at managers in adversity, and not just when things are going well. And early in the season, when they were getting beatings and 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 um, difficult days and we were all writing them off he never changed you know his 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 pride in his players his clarity of what he was trying to do his positivity but not daft positivity but you know real real kind of realistic positivity was was incredible and he has you know he's on, on top of all the other things that we've we've talked about you look at players like Adebayo you know he he was He's had, you know, Port Vale or those kind of clubs of a sort of checkered lower league career, mm. and suddenly he's a Bog, Bognor Regis Town, yeah. Slough Town, yeah, yeah. Look, look at him, you know, what has he got? Eight, nine goals or mm. something in the Premier League. Um, across the pitch, Andros Townsend, you know, that's a, what a mm. clever little signing that was. Um, the goalkeeper was fantastic. What a find that was. Um, it, yeah, it, it, it is. It would be certainly one of the. The, I, I'm, trying, I'm struggling to think of a better achievement in terms of staying up than this one would be. I, I can't, off the top of my head, think of a no, less likely club to stay up. Blackpool went straight down again. Blackpool yeah, had a good go. They really good. They go, had a yeah. really good go, but they did go straight back down again. Yeah. You know, um, and that would be the nearest comparison I would think in terms of a club of the size of Luton. Although obviously Blackpool were, were a much yeah. bigger. Club, Barnsley stayed up for a year, didn't Barnsley they? Barnsley stayed up for a year. Mm. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they yeah. did. I think Luton's smaller. Yeah, Yeah, so do I. Johnny, just thinking about that kind of community point, because we had Pelly Ruddock and Panzu on the podcast, of course, Luton midfielder. Thinking about some of the things Martin raised as well with the Tom Lockyer situation, I was kind of spotting this week um, on the editing desk lots of pictures coming out from the club of Tom Lockyer being back at the training ground and all the kind of responses that his teammates were giving him. In Rob Rob Edwards has used that kind of you know community spirit, hasn't he? That they've had the whole way up for, under different managers as well. He's he's really tapped into that with this squad, hasn't he? He, he has, and not in a um, not in a manipulative or cynical way, in a very genuine way. I mean, the man was in tears over Tom Lockyer, mm-hmm. and they weren't. It was any, nothing other than genuine 
feeling that he's got for his players and his community. Uh, you know, Pelly when he was here was telling us about um, you know the porter cabins and the the, the 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 kind of humble training ground and playing in 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 the fifth tier and 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 each season. The thing that stuck out for me was he, him saying that every single season they finish higher than the last over a 10-year period, I think except for one season in that whole journey. So there's a backstory to this of a, of a club that you know was almost extinct, uh, building ever so slowly, not, not in a spectacular way, not in a Hollywood Wrexham way, not in a, a big investment way, but just building step by step to get here. And then, my goodness taking their chance and Rob Edwards succeeded Nathan Jones who was a Luton legend I mm. mean that's the other thing mm. he he, mm. T- he he took on the, the poison chalice as it were and I mean yeah what, what a manager absolutely Gregor talking about the performance then back to this this win against Brighton um, that first goal so much is made of Brighton and the way they play and don't come on to them that's what they want they're keeping the ball waiting for you to press and knock it round them and then Luton straight from the kickoff, swarm them get a goal but you've got a theory as to why it might not just be Luton's bold approach that might have had an influence on this kind of outcome. No, I mean, just, just watching it and seeing the... You know, it wasn't just that goal either. Seeing several kind of uh, moments in the game, it's, I just think that the surroundings give... It make, make something... Make make it different, make it feel different for any op- opposition coming there. It feels... Everything I've played there, it feels so claustrophobic. The crowd feel close to you, the pitch feels smaller... It probably isn't, you know, we could measure it depending on the dimensions aren't. But that's the feeling you have inside the stadium. And when a team is pressing you and it's all over you, and, you know, as a team like Brighton who who want to play expansively and they want to, you know, play little triangles in the middle of midfield and stuff, it's just a completely different environment to most Premier League grounds that they're going to. And I feel like that... I feel like the, the sort of... The Kenilworth Road effect that we, we spoke about at the start of the season and thought, would be a thing that they have to harness if they're going to stay up or have a chance. It didn't happen early day in, in the early weeks, and it really is happening now. Mm. You know, we've seen the we've seen when Arsenal went there. We saw uh, I was at the Chelsea game, Chelsea, so at the yeah. Arsenal game. All of them came away either with their kind of noses bloodied or like knowing they've been in a real a real mm. game. They might have escaped to the points, but it, they pushed them really close, and and all of those teams felt felt the same thing. They tried to play their football, and they weren't really allowed to do it. And that's what Luton have to do, and we knew they would have have to do to stand a chance this year. Um, and yeah, look, there's a long way to go. But the, the the other fear for me was always just you know I was at the first game of the season too, which was a four-one defeat against Brighton, and mm. it it was just the it was just the kind of the cutting edge in both boxes. They played mm. well in that game. They were in the game until like the 85th minute, I think, until it was kind of put out of sight. And you just you just wondered where it was going to come from, and. Adebayo has stepped up, mm. really has stepped up, and they've found a sort of a structure at the base, a, a structure in defence. As Johnny said, the goalkeeper's been outstanding. Those kind of, if you look at the expected goals and stuff, they're still right down there. There's like, they're, you know, they're giving up chances. They're often not, they're putting sort of cross, a lot of crosses in the box rather than creating clear goal scoring chances, but. It's working. Is it players like Adebayo, Carlton Morris, etc., are they performing above themselves or is this a kind of trajectory where they're suddenly going, they're Premier League players, yeah. do you think? Yeah, you get the impression they just feel they they feel that they, they can go and compete at this level now, particularly if they're playing their game. Hmm. You know, Carlton Morris is a big, strong, powerful guy who it doesn't matter how good a player you're playing against, those are those are kind of traits where he will compete against anyone. Uh, and Adebayo is 
you know, scored some great headers. Mm. Um, so yeah, I just feel like they're probably finding their feet. But they're all, they, they kind of. I don't think you can underestimate Barkley's importance too. Did you see when they no. took kickoff? I mm. think I think it was the start of the second half, and he went to dummy to play it back to the goalkeeper, play it back to a defender. Brighton started to chase it, and he just dragged it back. Yeah. and cut through <clears throat> the middle of midfield <laughs> like that's just moments of quality <laughs> like that they can yeah. get them on the front foot I've transformed them yeah. and then you know Townsend didn't play in this but some of his deliveries too just to mm. you know cut him back on his left foot back post for, for Adebayo at the back stick mm. just little flashes of quality that they didn't have which are really transforming their season a uh, question I've asked before my, maybe with this set of people as well Ross Barkley still not still not in England, England contention there's a, there's a, there's a, it's, it's a difficult one. I mean, that's a good noise, Johnny. <laughs> Once you get, well, I mean, maybe Jordan Henderson's left a vacancy in the squad. Should should we say? I don't think Southgate will drop Henderson. By the way, but once you get past Declan Rice and Jude Bellingham, um, I'm not sure there's another central midfielder who's making a really unarguable case to. To play there, another um, one is one, one of the very young ones. Unless it's yeah. one of the very young mm. ones, Curtis like Jones. Those, yeah, well. Curtis Jones. Or another, is, another yeah, who's absolutely. performing well now is Loftus Cheek. Yeah, yeah. Who Southgate likes, of course. There are a few mm. in a group that could yeah. push yeah. their way in. Oh, no, I'm not I, saying. I, I, I just don't see why he shouldn't be one of them. No, it's just an interesting discussion, isn't it? And it's one we mm. will relate to every single England player for the months to come. <laughs> yeah. uh, Martin, just to talk about Brighton very quickly. Little dip. Expected, yeah. understandable. Well, well, ex- expected eventually. I mean, they sell a lot of players, mm. and I, I've always been of the belief you cannot keep selling, keep selling, keep selling, without it eventually, uh, without it eventually affecting you. In the end, there will be one player too many sold, or there will be one buy that doesn't work out that you really need to work out because you've sold two players in that position or whatever, and you really need the new guy to work. And you know, and it gets harder. And and that's that's what's happening. But further to the point you're making, just making here about uh, about Kenilworth Road and stuff. It's just interesting because if you imagine Luton at a purpose-built stadium, say twenty thousand capacity, one of those IKEA-type stadiums mm-hmm. that, that everyone just out of town on a on a dual carriageway, which we were talking whatever. about only last week, of course. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You couldn't imagine this happening quite the same. There is something to be said for these old English football grounds. And I can remember Jurgen Klopp when he first came into English football, not being able to get over how many grounds were right in the middle of the city and, and that you'd be walking around and you'd be going, oh, I wonder where the football stadium Oh, there it is. Oh, look, there's, there's mm-hmm. the football stadium. Like, just... just right in the centre of town and he said and what it means is when you get to the stadium he said sometimes you're looking at the away dressing room and you're thinking what really what this what this room (laughs) all of us in in here he said you go to Crystal Palace he said there is a post in the middle of the away dressing room at Crystal Palace he said you have to sort of peer around it you know he said to to sort of look at your players when you're trying to talk to your players you have to look around this post so they, they can see you but because obviously all the German stadiums are, are out of town and in lovely big parks and stuff like that. But, you know, there's a, there is also something to be said for that Kenilworth Road feel where you're in the middle of the town and the terraced houses, in that case you actually walk through the terraced houses. Um, and, it's, and it's fantastic and it must be... It must be really different. I mean, Jack Grealish, was it Jack Grealish was talking the other yeah. day about... Yeah. 
Notts um, County, wasn't it? Was it was it Notts County? And yeah. they got delayed and had to go there by bus. They had to go bus, by bus, didn't they? Bus and not on the same day or something like that. And he said all of the like the European players were sort of tearing their hair out. Oh, I haven't been able to eat what exactly what I wanted, and you know we, we haven't been able to have our usual routine or whatever. And we can't we can't do this and we can't do that. And Jack Grealish, who's obviously <laughs> you know been on loan a few places and has, has come up through the English system, is sitting there going, "Oh, this is what it's all about, Notts County. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is what it's all about, going Notts County." And um, and it's and it's just very interesting. Because there will be players going to Kenilworth, Kenilworth Road who haven't actually seen anything like that, really, in, that have been in these these elite divisions all their lives and haven't really, since they've been professional footballers, gone to a place like Kenilworth Road. Yeah. To give Luton a quick nod in that I think they appreciate all those things and that the, the new stadium is in the city. Mm. But the mm. site that they have, in fact, you, you know, they, mm. that's where you park now as a journalist and you have to walk to the ground. It's right in the city, and the way they've had it designed is to make sure that they can be as clo- the fans can be as close to the pitch as mm. possible. That the state the stands are you know a little bit steeper than most modern stadia. So yeah. they absolutely mm. acknowledge that yeah. that's something that they want to hold on to a bit of because yeah. it's part of their sort of history and mm. what mm. makes them looting. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. From one old great English ground to another, then into Selhurst Park, Crystal Palace three, Sheffield United two. Um, I wanted to talk about Eberiche Eze and Michael Elise. What a lovely set of footballers they are, eh? Um, you know, Gregor, you've written about them before. You've watched them. Every time I bring them up, you're like, oh, I'll happily speak about those two. Which do you think is the more important player to Palace in terms of what they offer? Didn't prep you for that question, did I? Yeah. Just throwing, uh, throwing that at you. I think that's really, really hard. I mean, really hard. Because Eze... Eze sort of creates goals out of nothing some of his little slalom and runs and you see the pace he's running at the ball with but he can still change his mm. angle or drop mm. a shoulder and he, you know a lot of time he looks like a really languid elegant footballer, but he can turn, his, turn the pace and sort of mm. do something quite sort of jarring as well and he scores he scores more goals mm. Alisi makes more goals Alisi has that <laughs> thing where he cuts in from the right on his left foot and plays across it's almost undefendable to the towards the back post, like really flat trage- trajectory, like just honestly a nightmare for like a fullback or centre half. Uh, and so I don't know the answer to it. <laughs> <laughs> Chaps, anyone want to dive well, in? Just quickly, do you think there's something to do with them both coming from the football league? Because they're both unconventional, isn't it? What mm. you're talking about. As he does something unexpected, he's not quite what you think he's going to be. And Elise is like that. And I, I don't know. I think one of the mad, one of the things that makes them both magic to watch and hard to play against is they're just not identical academy footballers they are um they're, they're people put together their own games almost mm-hmm. and and they do the unorthodox and, and they're still they show there's still such a value for that in the game but i don't know gregor do you think that's because of where they've come from or is it just maybe i mean they've i think they've both got really interesting career paths and yeah. they've, they've both been kind of rejected mm-hmm. uh i think as was rejected by millwall and he was like going to get a job at like a Tesco or something yeah. and then got a trial with QPR and got in but you could see you, not, I'm not saying you could see why but you could see that he's because he's, he he's unconventional he maybe you know he, he's, his biggest strength is not the other side of the game the defensive side and the press and all the stuff that you now have to do and I'm sure he he realised he had to do that but 
when you give him the ball and you mm. let him let him do his stuff, he's an absolute joy to watch. As he uh, had a youth career at Arsenal, <coughs> Fulham, Reading, and Millwall before finally breaking mm. into the QPR seniors team. So again, to your point about all these big clubs that must have looked at him, must have yeah. saw something, but then, as you say, gone not quite. For yeah, us. Well, I know for a fact. I spoke to someone at Millwall for a piece a while back, and they, they couldn't see what position he would be. Mm. And Millwall played that. a pretty, you know, they were like four four two. Yeah, I think Neil Harris was manager mm. then. It's like this is. Mm. I'm not sure you can fit in here. Yeah. <laughs> and. Oh God, I'm sure they're pretty upset. Do we think that's with with Eze and then Elise maybe thinking about going forward? This was something we were discussing on the editing desk, where maybe Elise, as a kind of winger who cuts back and provides crosses, is a player that maybe you could see going on to a bigger club, where Eze has that thing of, because he's at Crystal Palace and he's one of their best players, Roy Hodgson can go, you're you're the boy, you're the man, Mm. you know, Mm. you're you're the new Wilfred Zaha in, in effect. But a bigger club might not necessarily give that to him. I think no. he, I think he's so good yeah. that he could. I think he's like James Madison. Actually, we we wondered that when Madison was at Leicester. I th- I just think as he's so good that he could take all that unorthodoxy and impose it somewhere else. I watched him at Arsenal a couple of weeks ago when you know Palace were nowhere in that game, but he was like a one man, mm. a one man crusade to stop this being uh, a hammering. He, he was he was amazing, and that's bravery. You know, they talk about that that different type of bravery, which is getting on the ball when when you're up against it and that was you know he was looking for it getting it three or four men round him imagine it sort of drive through into space and there's nobody to play off but um i think he's got the character as well um in the england squad oh definitely I, no no he's, he's he's an x-factor player i definitely definitely put him in um for the euros yeah i would yeah yeah you're not he's, do, he's doing better than Grealish this season yeah, I don't. Yeah, I just don't know who who falls out. But don't, it, we'll worry about that later. I'd, I'd love to see him play for England. Yeah, I, like when you were saying posing that last question, I'd, I would say Elise has a higher ceiling. Mm. I don't know, like he's he is incredible and something something about the way he can create as well as three years younger as well, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something about him. I think I think he could go right to the top. I, to be fair, I've said that since when he when he got you the have. move from Reading. You did. It was a bargain and. Yeah. Like, I think he's a Champions League player, and I think Izzy, I think Izzy could be as well. I think it will need, it'll need the right sort of environment and right, you know, the right manager. I, I think Madison's a good parallel. Martin, your reaction? To some of the points the chaps uh, have yeah, made. Yeah, I mean, there's not a single, there's not a defender in the country that would want to play against against Izzy, or at least they, at least they two, obviously. But John's point about Izzy in England. That is that is what he brings. What he will bring to any team is that he will suddenly come on, and the you know the guys that he's up against, the defenders that he's up against, have suddenly got to start thinking in a different way. It's not gonna you know the the, the threat is no longer gonna come at you in a conventional way. It, you know stuff's gonna happen that you're not you're not prepared for. Um, and that's a, that's a great thing to have, and that's what the, you know. Jack Grealish was mentioned there, and that's what Grealish mm. used to bring when it when he came on. Suddenly, you've you've got a guy that's playing in a completely different way to the guy that's just gone off, and that's what Eze will bring. Do you think um, Eze? Do you agree with Johnny about the Madison thing? Do you think he kind of needs that kind of ten role, as as lazy as that is, as a definition? Well, yeah, I mean, it is. Yeah, the, the ten role as such is is not really the ten no. role that Michelle Platini mm. played, is it? I mm. mean, um, but. Uh, but yeah, look, I, th- I think he could play at a big club. I think Elise certainly could play at a big club. I think Eze could play at a bigger, bigger club, shall we say? Crystal Palace is a big club. But 
uh, could play at a bigger club, but I don't at the same time just want to see everyone leave and go to the same mm. six clubs. No. You know, uh, uh, it used to drive me mad. You know, when everyone, you know, all anyone ever talked about was Declan Rice. Yeah, was, <laughs> was Declan Rice in, in terms of what he could bring to Manchester United or whatever? And, and you know, I know my brother used to sit there swearing at the television and, and, and stuff like that whenever it was brought up. Uh, so I can understand Crystal Palace fans would feel exactly the same. At the same time, do I think he could thrive, uh, you know, in Champions League football or, or in more elite football? Yes, I do. I yeah. think both of those players could thrive there. Well, we're mentioning James Madison. We move on to Tottenham. Uh, 3-2 winners against Brentford in a thrilling game. Another thrilling game for Ange Postacoglu's <laughs> side. I, I wanted to talk about, uh, we'll talk about Tottenham generally in the season and a bit of the fight back. But I wanted to talk about, it was interesting to me looking at this uh, scoreline and the players involved. Brennan Johnson, young player, brought in. You know, who knows how quickly he was going to settle. Richarlison, player who's had difficulties off the pitch and, you know, widely criticised and mocked for his transfer there, now looks pretty important. Timo Werner getting an assist. This is just what Ange Postacoglu seems to do, isn't it? He, he gets a lot out of players, not even necessarily his stars all the time. Johnny? Yeah, he does. Um, I think, as well, Johnson was a substitution, wasn't he? He changed it at half-time mm. and, and, and threw, threw him on. Um, he does, and... and, and how Spurs coped in the period without Madison was was amazing, and how how they're coping without Son is pretty amazing. And it, it just it, it's what you say, Tom. It, it's a manager who has got uh, a, a sort of collective ethic going on, an ability to inspire players to play above themselves, and I suppose a template where everyone feels they can express themselves. Do Johnson think- being a, a, a case looked a bit intimidating when he came, and now he's now you're seeing his is is. Sort of true self, I think. Thinking about the rhythms of the season, do you think it almost helped that they had that little blip earlier in the season? You know, and maybe lost Madison, mm. lost Van der Ven. You know, rather than kind of steamrolling through, yeah. getting through to kind of Christmas, still being right, 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 right up there. Do you think it maybe helped the the, the team and the squad because it helped Postecoglou bring some of those squad players in? Possibly. I mean, it, it, it helped with the hype because it was at a point they were unbeaten, wasn't it? And people were talking about them winning the league and maybe. Maybe it wasn't a bad point to, to still only eight points off Liverpool. Well, I mean, my, I've, I've got a f- friend who's a and, and sort of coach analyst who worked with with Postecoglou at, with, at Australia, and I mean, he, he he said to me right from the start, he said, "Look, there'll be a point where there's a teething problem with with Ange Ball because he will not take a backward step; he'll keep going for it." We saw that against Chelsea, yeah. And my friend Chris predicted it. He said it will happen, and the important thing is. That everyone understands why it's happened, and that 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 he maintains the backing to keep doing his thing, and 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 he's come through that. So I think the important thing was to was that was that he came through that, and and my God, he came through that. I think because Spurs fans are just enjoying themselves so much that there was never any pressure on him. No, absolutely, Martin. Looking at them, the season as a whole, I've touched on it there. There's still only eight points off the title. I'm not necessarily saying oh they're well in it, they're going to run Liverpool all the way, but they have overtaken Aston Villa, who were beaten by Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Are they back in that kind of driving seat oh, now for this fourth place? Whether it's the driving seat, but they're certainly back in that scrap for the for the top four. They're back in the Champions League contention, and 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 who knows? Liverpool are showing <laughs> zero signs of uh, giving up eight points to Tottenham between now and at the end of the season. Let's be honest about that. But um, but um, I don't think anyone was saying when Ange took over. Um, we'll be very disappointed if we don't win the league in our first season <laughs> when we've lost Harry Kane and uh, we've got Ange Postacoglu in as the manager. 
Um, I don't think anyone was setting the bar that high. If the man can get them into the Champions League, he's done a fabulous job. Yeah, done an absolutely fabulous mm. job in his first season because everyone thought, you know, how many times we looked at Tottenham in the last ten years and gone, well, if you take the centre forward away, they're they're, they're you know they're top ten, aren't they? Mm. They're, they're they're top eight at best or, or or whatever. Take the centre forward away, this team's done. And far from being done, they're in a stronger position than I can remember since Pochettino was there, really, because. Conte, um, Reno have, have got them into good positions before, but not with everyone as excited about the football that they're playing as they are at the moment, whereby um, if they finish fourth or if they finish fifth, it'll be a disappointment now to finish outside the top four. But people would still look back at that and go, God, didn't we have a good season? Didn't we have a go? You know, wasn't weren't we good to watch? Um, so... There's a lot to be said for that. There's, yeah. a, you know, you, you know, I'm a big, big, big proponent of football as amusing the working class, and you know, this man has added to the gaiety of nations. There is absolutely <laughs> no doubt about that. Great. You know? I mean, yeah. The, I was looking. I was Try saying looking, something new about Ange Postecoglou yeah. that no, you've look, not said in the last. I was looking at, uh, at the heat, a heat map. <laughs> I was looking at a heat map. Just so boring I am. From the game last night, and ex- look at that—it's extraordinary. Mm. I know this doesn't translate on the. It's, but great it's, for it's a like an inverted Christmas tree. <laughs> like the the two the two centre halves—they must be the highest in the league. They're 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 literally above the the halfway line. That's how <laughs> that's their average position. In fact, one of them's not centre half. It's Skip. Wow. Skip was deeper than Romero, so mm. Romero's carrying the ball out. And then you've got both fullbacks, Udogi and Pedro Porro, playing like inverted, so, so like number eights. And then you've got. Werner and Kulisewski high and wide and even uh, Richarlison was like is like deeper than the fullbacks in their average position <laughs> Gregor was doing something kind of equivalent of the football tactics YMCA as he was explaining but you know you, like looking at that you can see why they're, they're rope at the back let's be honest, <laughs> let's be honest about yeah. it they've yeah. conceded 33 goals yeah. uh, they could have conceded an equaliser quite easily in this Without game mm. um, but, yeah, but as Martin's saying my god it's fun yeah, it's yeah. been great fun, and you know not just for Spurs, Spurs fans. This is great fun yeah, to watch. Quite, they, they they're great bold, watch, aren't they? Yeah, they are bold and they don't take a backward step. So, yeah. Great heat maps too. Great fun, great heat maps, great dance moves from Gregor Robertson. Um, <laughs> if you're having great fun with this podcast, you can let us know, tom.clark at thetimes.co.uk, or if you've got strong views on Eberiche, Eze and Michael Elise, where they might play, and who should make the England squad this summer, definitely get in touch as well. Stick with us, we're going to talk about Liverpool and Chelsea next. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewellery, Rebag is the answer. 
Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Welcome back to the Game Football Podcast from The Times. I'm Tom Clark, and today I'm joined by Jonathan Northcroft, Martin Samuel, and Gregor Robertson. Now, we come to one of the more unusual stories, Johnny, that I think you've done this year, this season, maybe. Sometimes our writers come along with a tale that even I've not heard of and I'm completely shocked by. This was headlined, How Carlos Tevez Became the World's Least Likely Manager. <laughs> Carlos Tevez is a manager, everyone. I couldn't believe it. Johnny, tell us more. Yeah, I, I mean, it just caught my eye um, that he was a manager in the first place and then I started looking into how he was doing and I'll, I'll tell you about that, but it answered us extremely well. I mean... Yeah, I can't think of a player who, having met during his playing career, I would have thought was less likely to <laughs> really? go on and do this. And I started the piece talking about interviewing Carlos at Man City, and, and it was a visit to a school, one of those community events, and the biggest memory was standing with the sort of city staff outside the school with the head teacher, everyone sort of nervous and punching their phones because it just looked like Carlos wasn't going to arrive and I think he, was, he was about an hour late this four by four comes screaming up he sort of tells all his wife's driving it she kind of shoves him out of the out the door and he kind of like a naughty schoolboy sort of runs in and, and that was him you know there was a kind of rebelliousness about him at, at, at City famously had fell out with Mancini refused to go on refused to warm up actually as a substitute um, mm. to stand his ground ended up sort of going home to Argentina and, and accepted 9.3 million in fines to, to kind of prove his point um, stubborn some might say stubborn, <laughs> headstrong but his own man you know his, very much his own man um, came back and did actually play a part in City winning the league but you know never quite patched up maybe with Mancini left again there was an episode in China where he he, he sort of took out one of those enormous Chinese Super League contracts and then decided he didn't fancy it and went back off to Argentina and um, and the Argent- Argentinians kind of celebrated that, that act they call that Robin Hood act you know, he's gone to, gone to China <laughs> taking the money like Robin Hood and now he's back with us um, and he just I, I loved him as a player really loved him as a player very nice guy actually when I, I mean didn't speak yeah I was going to say was, when when you then speak to him after that episode of falling out yeah. four by four is he then he was he was incredible with the kids you could see one of those people just a warm person who who the children loved and 
when I sat down with them, we did have an interpreter, um, just open, actually, an open book. Um, I was talking about his, 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 his family quite a lot, his kids. One of his reasons that he, he, he became unhappy as City, actually, was just his, his, his wife and kids were back in Argentina and he, he missed them and, 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 and that contributed. But, yeah, no, and I know from you know, Wayne Rooney and, and, and players at United how much they, they enjoyed him being in the dressing room. I don't think he really spoke to anyone much because he, he couldn't. And, and, again, I wrote about this because I, I always thought, and I think a lot of people thought he didn't learn English because he was, I don't know, lazy or whatever. And he revealed later that no, this was a sort of conscientious objector situation. He, he didn't, you know, his, his uncle had fought in the Falklands and become an alcoholic, and he didn't want to learn the language of the oppressors or whatever. Which you can make of that what you will, but it, it shows again he's an opinionated. It, there's like a guy, well, yeah, yeah, there's a proper guy there. So anyway, he's back back in Argentina, um, played a lot of golf, and then um, a couple of years ago, sort of was parachuted into Rosario Central amid a crisis. Um, and did a reasonable job, you know, short-term job, 20 games or whatever, helped help keep them up, played some young players, but then disappeared again. I felt, you know, there's a political situation. That wasn't called, playing, wasn't like a player can manage a situation. No, no, manager. That was his yeah. first coaching job. Came in, as I say, did, did maybe almost like Shearer to Newcastle sort of thing. Did did well enough, but nobody thought he was, he was amazing or anything. Um, went off to the golf course again. And then a year ago, Independiente, who are, Maybe the Aston Villa of of of, of Argentina, maybe um, you know outside Boca and River, one of the big clubs, um, had a bit of a basket case. You went through, burned through two coaches, found themselves um, facing. I mean, there's a very I won't go into it, but there's a very obscure league system in Argentina. Mm-hmm. League split into two, and they they faced relegation anyway, going into the second half of the season. And out of the blue, Carlos Tevez got in contact with a president and said he fancied the job and then the board was split because the president thought it was a great idea the rest of the board well you can't give it to Carlos Tevez um, it came down to a casting vote and the, 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 the president went for Carlos um, and then came, came in uh, and immediately this team that couldn't win went on I think six games out of eight they won with you know playing ferocious pressing football Tevez type football but evolving into actually quite good and structured uh, attacking football um, and just he gets given these amazing press conferences um, where he's he, he's shown himself I think to be not just an intelligent bloke but a real personality um, got a new contract and I just checked before we came on he's won the first two games of the season and is top of the league in Argentina now and I, I love it I absolutely love it um, Carlos Tevez as a manager you know I'd, I'd like to see it here to be honest yeah. We, we certainly would. Martin, Just we'll come back to some of the other points in the piece, Johnny. In terms of Tevez, the person, he obviously played for West Ham, your club as well. As a player, it, do you kind of tally with a lot of the things that Johnny said about the about the, about the the man, but also the player as well? Was he a player yeah, you enjoyed watching? Yeah, absolutely. He, he was. He was, a, he was a fabulous player. But the but it often happens like that with managers. You, guys that you don't expect. Everyone, everyone who played with George Graham will tell you that after the match, you know, when everyone's having a drink, as like in the old days, and everyone's having a pint in the pub or whatever, it was George Graham, if anyone started talking about the game, was the first one to go, oh, put the ball away, come <laughs> on. <laughs> Ooh, you know. And, and, this, and this guy became this incredibly focused, very, very disciplinarian manager. He was a 
bit of a fancy down as a, as a player. People forget that when George was a player, everyone thought he was a little bit airy-fairy and would, you know could have been a bit more at it and committed. And he became this disciplinarian manager, this very obsessed manager who played football in a certain sort of way, had Arsenal's defence training with a rope around their waist so that everyone came out and everyone went back in a, in a perfect line. And he wasn't like that at all. You know, if you think of the, of, the, of the teams that, say, Mick McCarthy in his early days produced, that Millwall team mm. that he produced, played cracking football. I saw him play Arsenal off the park in the cup once. I think they got, I think they ended up getting beaten two one or something like that, and and it was an absolute travesty. Hmm. Uh, they they were tremendous and knocked it about and everything. And you remember him Mick as a player, and you're thinking this is not really, uh, <laughs> this is not really the football we came to expect. So so people change, yeah. and everyone can grow up would be the wrong words probably, but but everyone can have this sort of epiphany <laughs> at some stage where you suddenly go. No, this is this is what you should do. This is how you should be. This is what a footballer mm. should be. Um, and by the sounds of it, uh, old Carlos, is, uh, <laughs> you know, you wonder if it's like he's sort of reckon, you know, he can he recognises his own, his own flaws. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Th- yeah. And that's you know, he, yeah. so he, he knows what a footballer should and shouldn't be. Because yeah. he wasn't some of those things. You know, I, mean. well, I remember. I mean, that, it's a lower, lower down the league verse. An example with Daryl Clark was saying to the the Cheltenham manager, he was a bit of a lad in his time. He said to me yeah. early in the season that he felt one of his strengths was he said, "I know, I, I know, I know all the players' tricks because I've I pulled every single one myself." Mm. You know, yeah, when I was yeah, a player. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, so one thing Tevez has brought in is is sort of neuroscience and training. I was going to ask about mm. this. Yeah, yeah, he 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 he, he, he waits till players are sort of. You know, stressed and exhausted after all the running exercise, and then they fire maths problems at yeah, them to yeah, yeah. Sort of brain that. training. Money. You know, incredible. Um, and then he found out from this that three of his squad actually couldn't add or subtract because a lot of Argentina's players come from really, really tough backgrounds, low education, and he then um, brought in a school teacher to um, mandatory maths lessons for uh, the squad. And and the, the, there's a man of the people. Side the to Carlos. Was pleased he was going to get away with yeah. murder on the well, new contract. That's exactly what Tevez said. He said, <laughs> he said, he said, this is the story of Argentinian football that we, we we take players from the barrios. They they don't they get taken advantage of. They can't do their own contracts mm. because people around them are you know better educated. And he, he sort of he brought that. And he, he's known for being really calm and you know dignified with referees and 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 the press. And it's. Uh, yeah, where he comes Great. from in Argentina, I, I go, I go to a, <laughs> I go to a market on Saturday. One of the lads that that, that works in the uh, in a delicatessen down there um, is Argentinian. He said the the place he comes from. I'm trying to remember. Is it Fort Apache? Fort Apache. Fort Apache. Fort Apache. He just shook his head and he just went. No. <laughs> he said, uh, not even. No, no, no. Even, you know, basically, you know, you wouldn't go there. I would, you know, not even say he's from Buenos Aires. It, you know, you wouldn't go to Fort Apache. <laughs> you, you just wouldn't go. Yeah. It is, you know, well, he's a, toast, he seems to be in the right place now on and off the pitch. And you can read that piece by Johnny. Search for Johnny's name and Carlos Tevez on Google, and you'll it'll pop up. And then you might have to get yourself a time subscription. You never know. Well worth it. Um, coming back to the Premier League, chaps. Liverpool four, Chelsea one. And probably the quickest rise up the ranks in terms of conversations for a player maybe I've known ever in my career, Connor Bradley. 
couple of weeks ago, like, mm. well, this kid's quite good, isn't he? He'll be all right. Then a week later, he's <laughs> like, bloody hell, he's really good. And now he's got Trent Alexander-Arnold's place on toast, hasn't he? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not... You know, you can't be you can't be clever after that. But I must admit, the ten minutes, the ten minutes, I, I'm not going to claim I was across him because I had to look up, you know, his, his background and stuff like that, and the, you know, thirteen senior appearances for Northern Ireland that he'd already made had sort of passed me by. I must yeah. admit, mm. but um, but that you know, the ten fifteen minute cameo against Arsenal, you looked at and thought. This kid's a proper player. This mm. this is a really mm. good. You know, it, it it doesn't always hit you for. You know, we we can all sit there and go, oh, well, the first time I saw Wayne Rooney, you go, yeah, well, the yeah. first time <laughs> everyone saw Wayne Rooney, you 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 knew. But but sometimes, young kid coming on playing at right back is it, not the most obvious spot. But it was fifteen minutes in that is it cup match against Arsenal. Mm. Aren't, you know? Yes, well, that was one of the ones I was referring to and, where and we were discussing. He's thought, pretty good. This hmm? guy. And just thought, no, he's he's exceptional. And you just looked at him straight away and thought, well, this is the kid that puts Alexander Arnold into into midfield, yeah. basically. You, yeah. you know, or this is the kid that goes into midfield and allows Alexander Arnold to stay at, 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 at right back, whichever way you want to play it, really. But um, you know, he was exceptional from the minute you saw him. You just looked at it. so last night. It was a surprise, but it wasn't a surprise because no. the moment you saw him, you thought. This, this, yeah, this is a player. It's an interesting one player. to consider in light of the news about Jurgen Klopp's departure, Johnny, and yeah. um, the idea that maybe this isn't the kind of baptism of fire job that some managers get when mm. they take over from a big, big character like Klopp because of players like Connor Bradley. You'd look at this and go, I get to mould and work with yeah, these guys, and Klopp is leaving, yeah. he'll be leaving behind quite a talented squad, won't he? Yeah, I mean, Martin wrote a column about this, and, and, and he's right, there's always a context to it. Replacing Alex Ferguson was difficult, <laughs> but that's part, it's partly because United had reached the end of a cycle. Mm. You know, I mean, there's a difficulty of filling someone's shoes in terms of character. But if we just boil it down to football, that was the end of a cycle. You could say that Wenger's Arsenal, that Wenger left the the, the, the club in a place where they needed refresh. The squad needed a revamp. Mm. But you wouldn't, to Martin's point, in a, in, that, that you, you're writing about, you would definitely wouldn't say that about Liverpool. It's not a perfect squad, but my goodness, it's a it's a squad on the up. It's just been regenerated by some great transfers, and then it's got these youngsters coming through, and it'd be extremely exciting to inherit all of these guys. I mean, Bradley's—he could be anything, couldn't he? He could be absolutely anything. He's ball down the line in the first the first yeah. like five minutes. Yeah. He was running at real pace, yeah. and it's the kind of thing where you just—he's so easily like he just opened his foot up and curled it over. Mm-hmm. Like over in behind the back line for Darwin, Darwin Nunes it's, to run on that looked like yeah. a Trent Alexander Arnold pass. Almost, it's almost like, I, like you know, I know how hard a ball that is to yeah. play. <laughs> I've tried it many times and failed. Like particularly at pace, and he just made it look mm. so easy. And he's a great athlete. Like the way he just accelerated away from Ryan Sterling as well, shifted mm. it, shifted it to the side, and the finish was brilliant. Like yeah, yeah like he. He made me sit up a few times last last night off the sofa, which is no mean feat after like putting the two year old to bed. You know, <laughs> like, you know your eyes widen a bit. You're like, oh my, yeah. yeah, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, he's really good. In yes. terms of inheriting this squad, coming back to it, it's something we discussed obviously on Monday's show, Johnny and Martin. Are you all are you both in the Xabi Alonso camp? No, not necessarily, and that's no yes, s- that's no what slight. I like about it. No, Jabi. we need. We had too much Xabi. <laughs> no, 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 look, did you? right. <laughs> I was, I'll, I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> only, only that. 
I think let's just wait and see with Jabi. Mm. Like, the guy, the hallmarks are there that he's going to be an absolutely sensational coach, and the job he's done at Leverkusen is amazing. But he's he's at the start of his management career, and he's twenty games in, and it just might be that this this isn't the time for him to do Liverpool. I don't know, and we'll find out a lot more. Actually, he's at the business end of the season now, and he stumbled at the weekend, so we'll find out a bit more now about whether he can do that side of it because there's the two sides of management and we talked about Ange earlier on there's a bit when it's going well and there's a bit when you have step setbacks and you, you've got to show a different side and no doubt he's going to be talented I mean I I think Liverpool have got to look dispassionately and I know they will and they'll use they'll use rationality and data and all that kind of stuff um, I mean I, this isn't going to happen but of all the managers out there I think Postacoglu is the most natural who 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 is like Klopp? Who who would play that football? Who would have the personality to connect with a crowd? I don't think he'll leave Spurs. He's a, a Liverpool I'm, fan. I, I'm he's a Liverpool fan. I, I'm I'm I, I'm almost certain he wouldn't leave Spurs, and I don't mean to upset Spurs fans. But if you're asking what should Liverpool do, I think they might at least ask the question. Martin, <laughs> yeah, your no, views on totally the situation. That. No, I can totally see that. I, I, I'm in the. Uh, Javi Alonso camp and I take everything that John said on board I, I, I totally agree with that he's very new there would be uh, a gamble of uh, of some sorts he's certainly not where Jurgen Klopp was he's certainly not at the same stage of his career as uh, as Jurgen was when he when he went to Liverpool uh, he would be a very young very raw manager I just think the one thing that would be hard to replicate at Liverpool, um, I, I think the team is there, and I, I wouldn't even be that worried about losing one of the big two. Obviously, in an ideal world, Salah's up front and Van Dyke's at the back. In an ideal world, but if one of them wasn't there, what that does free up in these days of profit and sustainability is money to. Um, put a bit of your own mark on the team to bring you know because every manager no manager wants to go right well you know my starting 11 is exactly the same as the last bloke starting 11 and you know nothing's changed um everyone wants to add a little bit of their own um personality to the team and that would free up the opportunity to do that um so the team is is not anything that I'm worried about and I look at the other managers around uh the experience of Postecoglou notwithstanding and I think Xavi Alonso um looks a really good young manager and we've got to see how the rest of the season pans out where I think he's significant is the th- hardest thing to replace the hardest thing to replicate is Klopp's relationship mm. with the with the supporters you've only got to see the end of matches at, at Anfield and and you know it's very similar to what he did at Borussia Dortmund mm. really it's not like he's he's come up with some and mines and mines yeah mm. it's not like he's come up with something new and totally different but it it is absolutely a guy that understands the club they love him he loves them he loves everything about them when I went to interview him all those years ago, loves the colours, loves every. You know, the first thing he fell in love with was the red, and who couldn't fall in love with a team that just plays completely in red? It's just a fantastic strip and and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, 
that's the thing that other managers have found hard. Roy Hodgson never recovered from um, saying that he held no grudges against Manchester United. You know, <laughs> that, you know, he never recovered from that, and that he really liked Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, and you know, the people that it hasn't worked for in the past there invariably the disconnect has been with the place mm. as much as anything else and that's where I think local hero Xabi Alonso comes in everyone loves him straight away banners all over the place um, and you've got a bit of a chance there yeah. and because if you just try and get someone who's going to go to the the clop and punch the air it's just going to look phony so he doesn't have to do that because he's Abby Alonso mm. so he's already mm. the hero he doesn't have to make himself the hero in front of the clop in front of the cop he's already the hero yeah well before all that happens we've got the rest of this season to sort out Liverpool top of the table and um, five points clear of Manchester City who do have a game in hand um, and beat Burnley uh, last night Liverpool have got the big one this weekend against Arsenal I've got a slight feeling they might steamroll the Mikel Arteta side. I don't know why. Mm. Um, and I'm going early with a prediction there. I'm just throwing something yeah, out there Joe so that you Cole don't... thought fancy Chelsea last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mate, you're not meant to use the going room before. <laughs> <laughs> but does anyone, does anyone see this game? You know, this was a big game before Christmas. We talked about, Johnny, you've talked about being mm. there and what a great tussle mm. it was. Mm. It feels slightly like Liverpool have kicked on since that match. And then, of course, they played each other in the cup as well. Feels slightly like Liverpool have kicked on, whereas Arsenal is still, it's, you know, not quite in top top gear. Yeah, it does. Arsenal have had a good couple of games and getting back there a little bit, but I, I agree that, that Liverpool are in what a moment. You know, I mean, they they destroyed Chelsea, and mm. the way they're playing, if they continue that level of performance, only Man City could live with them, and and and. I think it's shaping up to be between those two. That's not the most original thing to say, I know, but uh, it, all the signs are that these two great teams are coming at the boil. Yeah, Martin, would you agree? Do you think it's the yeah. onus is on Arsenal to try and almost, even though they're at home, stop Liverpool, stop this kind of well, juggernaut no, I, that's I running? I think they'll see it as we've got to stop Liverpool. I, I think it's they'll see it as an opportunity to muscle their way back in right into the middle of it again which if they were to beat Liverpool that's wh where they would be you'd, you know you'd have got your elbows out and, and got yourself back involved again I think it's a very important game for Arsenal in mm. that respect because if they don't if they do get as uh, you know steamrolled by Liverpool they don't even have to get steamrolled really yeah. do they? they just have to get beat by Liverpool yeah. and then and then suddenly you're looking at a a two-horse race, which, by the way, that's another reason why it's not the impossible job, because Liverpool's biggest issue during Klopp's era has been Manchester City. And they're, in the next year, we are going to find out what happens to Manchester City for the next few years, yeah. you know, which could include, mm. we, we don't know, um, which could include a demotion, it could include something that brings the Pep Guardiola era to an end, with it perhaps the Erling Haaland, Kevin De Bruyne era as well, depending on what happens about the 115 charges. So whoever succeeds Klopp might actually find the way forward a, a lot clearer than it has been <laughs> mm. the Jurgen Klopp because that's the team you've got to beat. And it's a lot easier to beat them if they're in the championship. Yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> prospect to consider. But Gregor, I'm going to leave, finish with you. Know how much you love a prediction, so I'll let you go last. We've, you've, we've all had ours. Do you see like, Arsenal being able to stop Liverpool? Uh, Arsenal could absolutely conceivably win win this game. Like they could, but do you think they will? 
Look, I agree Liverpool are in a great a great uh, moment, as everyone, that's the word that's the lexicon yeah, there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 We're yeah, in a great yeah, moment. But, yeah. you know, J- Jota, Jota is like making Nunes's sort of, <laughs> <laughs> you know, love of the post not matter <laughs> because his finishing is outstanding. Uh, but going forward, they're, they're thrilling, they're thrilling. I, I think when they're tested against better opposition going that way, I've still got some doubts. Like Joe Gomez is playing brilliant, brilliantly at left back just now, but mm. consistency has been an issue for him. They're still playing a twenty-year-old at right back, or Trent, who himself has issues defensively. Whoever's playing alongside Van Dyke, Van Dyke's in imperious form. I've had issues with consistency. I don't think we should get carried away with Liverpool quite yet. Excellent. And spoken like a man who's writing a piece about Arsenal and how good they are at maybe scoring <laughs> goals from set pieces, which you can check out on the Times website this weekend. Chaps, thank you very much for joining me. That was a wonderful moment for 60 minutes, I thought. We really enjoyed ourselves. That's one of the things that foreign coaches have introduced. It's, it's came from foreign coaches, that. Yeah. And so we're now getting taught our own language by foreign coaches. No one said that it was a wonderful moment in the English language and, uh, uh, until you know Jose turned up and Rafa turned up. And well, we all thought it now. And if you thought it's been a wonderful moment joining us, you can get in touch with me, tom.clark at thetimes.co.uk. And if you didn't think so, if you think we've missed something out and want us to talk about yeah, it next time... Telegraph podcast. <laughs> he doesn't mean that. He doesn't mean that. But thank you very much for joining us, Martin Samuel, Johnny Northcroft and Gregor Robson. Thank you too for listening. As I say, we'll be back on Monday and I'm sure we'll be talking about Liverpool v Arsenal. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.